Hey, it's Bill Simmons. The NFL playoffs are in full swing, and the Ringer NFL Show has you covered for all your pro football needs. Sunday night, get Michael Lombardi and Tate Frazier's rapid reactions on GM Street. On Tuesdays, the Ringer NFL Show with Robert Mays, Kevin Clark, and regular guest Danny Kelly break down all the biggest angles on Wednesday. GM Street again on Thursdays. Clark, Mays, and Danny are back at it again. And on Friday, GM Street's Friday Focus gives you all the insight you need for gambling, fantasy, and everything else. Don't forget about my podcast, too, on Mondays. The BS Podcast, Cousin Sal and I playing Guest Alliance. More importantly, the Ringer NFL Show. Subscribe right now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. He takes the timeout. It is Wednesday, January 17th. It's about noon here on the East Coast. I'm Mark Titus. He's Tate Frazier. Tate, what's going on in LA? Not a whole lot, Mark Titus. I'm sorry that I wasn't here yesterday. I celebrated a, a great MLK weekend. Yeah. It, it went a little bit longer than I expected. I took two days off uh, for the patron saint Martin Luther King, and now I'm back. It's Wednesday, and we're ready to record One Shining yeah. Podcast. Before, it's good to be back. Before we talk about college hoops, I want to talk to you because Tate hosts a NFL podcast with Mike Lombardi called GM Street, and you are my <laughs> NFL expert. And um, I famously have explained to you that I was a Vikings fan up until like 2000. Basically, as soon as Brett Favre threw the interception in the 09 NFC Championship, I decided that was too much. I was I decided I don't like football enough to put myself through the torture of cheering for the Vikings. Yes. Um. So I just slowly I slowly wean myself off of it. And um, I have this was the fir- this was the very first year that I didn't watch a single Vikings game all season. This was the first year of my life I didn't watch a Vikings game, and then the very first game I watched was the playoff game. And mm. I just want, I just, I just want to say, it felt good. To, it felt good to see the boys doing well. I just felt <laughs> I felt like I felt like it was like an old old friend that I was checking back up on. And I flipped the game over and I saw the touchdown and I was like screaming and it just it, all the emotions came rolling back. So I just wanted to get that off my chest. How guilty say, would you have felt if that didn't happen? If if Diggs didn't catch that pass, take it to the house and win the game, and they lose, and that's the only well, that's, game you watched all season. I, I think I would have had to. No, I would have felt that would have happened. I know, but I wouldn't have felt that guilty because that's what the Vikings like. Even, even as the even as Diggs was running the ball into the end zone to win the game, I was thinking like, shit, we left him too much time. Like I was looking at the clock, like, please tell me there's zero seconds left because I think they left him too much time. And by the way, I'm not trying to like pretend like I was I was ble- like you know I I obviously don't care that much anymore. Um, so I'm not trying to say like, yeah, I believed in this team all along, and I've been. I'm obviously a Fairweather fan at this point, but uh, I don't know. It was pretty cool. It was it like it's, it's. I don't know. You get older, you move on from things, and then you go check back in on them, and to see to see the boys are coming around. Like, so my question to you, Tate, is like, do the Vikings actually have a shot at this? Are we gonna? Are are we? I'm gonna say we. Are we gonna win the Super Bowl? Yeah, I think you're the team of destiny. Every time that really? happens, are you, are you just saying that? No, are you just saying that the bullshit. I I really have no idea who's good at. I mean, I I assume the Patriots are really good, so. Yeah, it's basically the Patriots have to beat the Jaguars, obviously, and that's going to be easy. So you're going to play the Patriots, but uh, nice. I think I think most people thought whoever the NFC is better than the AFC this year, obviously, and most people thought whoever won that game, Minnesota or the Saints, would have the best chance to win the Super Bowl. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say they're gonna be favored, but I think that they are the team of destiny at this point. Well, I I will I will promise you this: if the Vikings win the Super Bowl, I'm going to be very obnoxious and pretend like I was <laughs> watching every game all year. <laughs> 
we're gonna i am going to going to be very obnoxious i love um, that you stuck by the vikings when brad childress was the head coach and there was no hope and yeah. now that you have like mike zimmer and this no, whole great defense you're, you're you're like uh, i don't know I'm, I'm a little tentative on this team we'll see I what think, happens i think in a weird i think in a weird way that makes me a bigger fan doesn't it is that yeah. like i cheer for them when they suck and i don't when they're good yeah i don't know um let's talk some hoops though uh I want to start with this because it's this time of year um, where our friend Seth Davis and his his pet peeve of the court storming seems to have, have swept the nation. Seth is always on this corner, Tate. This is mm-hmm. his thing. He's always on. But every so often, um, a controversy arises where the rest of the country joins in on the conversation. And we're, we're a few days late. Um, I'm not going to blame it on you for being sick, but we're a few days late to this conversation. But I don't know if you saw, Texas Tech did beat West Virginia. Um, the Red Raiders stormed storm the court over the weekend, and a West Virginia player, Wesley Harris, threw a punch at a Texas Tech player. He has since been reprimanded. He got the Grayson Allen reprimand, like, buddy, you better not do that again, or we're really going to be mad. Um, that was his punishment. Texas Tech ends up getting fined $25,000, and now we're we're back we're back again to where we always are at this time of year, it feels like, arguing about court storming. And... I I just I, I don't know Tate. What are your thoughts? It's a really tough week for West Virginia, right? I mean, they go into Texas Tech. It, it was a really good game. It was a back and forth game. I thought West Virginia had a real chance to win this one. Even when I think Texas Tech got like a six point lead with like thirty seconds left, and I just turned the channel, and then I saw the final yeah. score. Right, they won by one. Like West Virginia still came back and almost won the game. So it was a real tough loss. Um, and then when they had the Monday night game, the game that they're expected to win. Bob Huggins, you know, playing in West Virginia against Kansas. This is a guaranteed win, a game that we've been joking about this whole year. They lose that one, too. So we have back-to-back losses, back-to-back top 10 losses. And when you just thought West Virginia had a chance to get to number one in the country, they just completely fall by the wayside. And I don't know. I feel bad for Huggy Bear. I feel bad for all the West Virginia faithful. I feel bad for Nathan Adrian. I don't know if he's even watching these games, but I feel bad for him. And I don't know. Right now for West Virginia, it's like – they deserve to throw a punch because they got punched in the gut this whole weekend and Monday night. So it, it's tough. Times. I forget. I forget what's your what's your uh, opinion on the court storming thing. Now I forget what your take is. What do you mean? Did you seem you stri- you strike me as a guy that's like that's I don't know. I, like you, you're a North stormed. Carolina fan, so you're first of all you're a North Carolina fan, so you're up your own ass about how like we we never would ever we, oh, we win too much. I've stormed number two. Courts. You were. Okay, you wear you wear your khakis and your tucked in polos, and it's like we don't want to mess that up. We don't want to we don't want to scuff our boat shoes as we're running out onto the court. Um, so I, I just wasn't sure. You're, no, the, you're you're pro court storm. Yeah, I'm definitely pro court storming. There's also like a guy if you court storm in Carolina, he just has a lint roller and he comes around and he and he does your khaki pants just to make sure that you're okay uh, and everything's sorted sorted out. But yeah, every anyone that court storms or I mean, I've had plenty. I was at a Maryland game when Carolina lost to Maryland against Grievous Vasquez in Maryland, and Maryland court stormed. It's all in good fun. I mean, as long as the players are safe, usually Roy does this thing where he'll just get his starters to go back to the locker room if he knows they're going to storm. Oh, yeah, and he leaves the walk-ons out there to yeah, get trampled. Yeah, to fight for themselves. Genius. Because you got to earn your spot. Yeah. you got to earn your keep on this team. Um, you got to be defense. Roy would definitely be, by the way, Roy would definitely be the worst coach to, to walk on for. Because not only does he do that, but he does the thing where Carolina's playing Duke in Cameron and I don't know if this has ever actually happened. I'm just saying this This is totally feasible for Roy to do. Um, you're, you're playing in Cameron, 
two top 10 teams and the starters start sucking and he just pulls all five of them and throws the five walk-ons in. And <laughs> if I'm a walk-on, I'm, I'm, I just look at him like, are you, are you shitting me, Roy? You're going to throw me in to play it to guard Marvin Bagley. Well, you got to run the, the system. Game of the, year? the, no, the starting five is not, not running the system. You got to do that. Yeah. That's what he's doing. It's a real um, test. I, I, I think my, the court storming, the overreaction is just classic college basketball, trying to tell kids what to do and act like you're the moral, yeah. you know, authority on everything. I thought so. Yeah. See, because every time we talk about it, I'm the one who makes fun of it, and I never. And you just kind of sit there and don't really say much. So I was just curious. <laughs> I was just keeping you on a state. My goal is, uh, as a media member, now that I'm all grown up, now that I'm in my 30s, um, and I'm supposed to be taking life seriously, my goal is to go cover a game as a media member, and then have the court get stormed, and then basically join the party. I want to mm. storm a court as a as an old man media member who, um, which I guess sounds very pathetic when I put it out like that. It sounded more fun in my head, but. You, um, you know how like the I think those are the media row when that people just seems clap. Really fun. People like look at you yeah. weird when you clap. Like, could you imagine the looks that you would get if a team were to win and then you just got up from your seat and sprinted down to <laughs> the I'm court? Piling. <laughs> I'm piling over all the media guys. I'm elbowing <laughs> Gary Parish out of my way to <laughs> get on the court. Um, so yeah, you, you brought up a point that that I was gonna we were gonna mention that West Virginia lost to Kansas. That was we have a few games that I I think are worth kind of doing a little discussion on um, West Virginia blowing the Kansas game is definitely one of them. The Oliver Luck strategy backfired mm -hmm. uh, as we, as we discussed on the previous pod that Oliver Luck was keeping Billy Preston out until the Kansas game. Um, but or, he could, or, yeah, he couldn't keep the, the Sosa out. Or, he could not keep Silvio de yeah. Sosa out. So he yeah, he did get cleared. Two. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. That guy, that guy that was going to change everything for Kansas, I guess he, he kind of has changed everything. Kansas won at West Virginia. He was the difference Tate. Maybe that was the difference all along. Um, I think this game was over the moment that, that Bob Huggins gave Bill self that pullover and basically just conceded all of his magic and said here, he, he, he gave, he gave Bill self the playbook. He said, the playbook is you wear this. And by the way, I love that the pullover that he gave self was like two sizes too small and self's belly is popping out. And you just said <laughs> the very prominent pop belly for Bill self. Um, I thought it was over then. Like Huggins has his style. He has his, he has his persona um, and, and that works for him. And then he, he kind of like, it's like giving your secrets to the, to the other team when he gave Bill Self the pullover. That was my opinion of, of what happened. That was such a strange deal to, you know, like there's yeah. there's nothing better than the the big black pullover where you don't really know how big Bob Huggins is. And I also like that he thinks, you know, that Bill Self is obviously super skinny compared to him. So he got like three sizes smaller than his right. own and, and got it over. And really they're probably the same size or, you know, around the same size, the pot belly look. We, we all love it. Uh, but I, I think it gave Self self-confidence. You know, he looked like he was fine. Mm -hmm. Even when they were down, he just kept like stroking his nice little pullover and was like, no, now I get it. Now I know where I am. Now I have my bearings. And that's uh, why it, it was unfair. It was an unfair advantage. I wish you would have taken it off. That would have been fair uh, to keep everything back in order. But I don't know. I, I'm, I'm almost favorite, upset uh, that it happened. That's my favorite version of Bill Self is the carefree one. The uh, guy who everything's going to hell and he, you just the camera cuts to him and he's just kind of smiling and, and loving life on the sidelines because he knows that that game doesn't matter. He knew, he knew going into West Virginia, they were going to lose. So he was like, who cares that we're getting beat pretty badly. This is fun. I'm wearing a pullover. And then when they start winning, it's just like ecstasy. And it, <laughs> by the, by the way, for you, was that more of a game of Kansas playing well in the end and winning? And does that teach us, does that teach us something about Kansas or is this a game of like, what the hell, West Virginia? What happened? You just ruined everything. 
it was a game of when Kanade got in foul trouble. First of all, right. Kanade had one of the best blocks I've ever seen, and it wasn't even a basketball play. It was, did you see this block when he like, he basically the, stands. The volleyball block? Yeah, he stands on the backside of the basket and tries to time it, and he goes up as if you're going to spike a ball at a volleyball net with two hands and just goes yeah. straight up and swats you down like you're nothing. That was, uh, when that happened, I thought West Virginia was, it was a sure win. Uh, but all these Monday games, they were all comeback upsets. Or I guess not upsets, but they yeah. were comeback like get over the hump. This is a game we're not supposed to win. And as soon as Kansas started making a run, uh, Javon Carter decided I have to shoot every single time and brick it every single time. And I have to be the entire offense. And, you know, when West Virginia gets into the I have to be a one-man show with Javon Carter, that's when you know it's a loss. It's not. To me, the two things shine through, and, and they kind of – bleed into each other with West Virginia. One is that their defense isn't as good as its reputation suggests, which is not to say that they don't have a good defense. They have a very, very good defense. They do not have a defense that is just completely shutting everybody down. And like I'm I'm taking West or I'm taking Virginia's defense a hundred times out of a hundred over West Virginia's defense. No question about it. Um Virginia's defense is the defense that like breaks people and mm-hmm. is consistent and is great. And West Virginia is just like chaos. It's just like if you can find a way to calm down and not freak out, you can get open shots. And if you make those shots, then suddenly their defense isn't that great. But the other point I want to make is, as we said on here all the time, they they run the risk of foul trouble. Like Kanate and Carter were in foul trouble all night, mm-hmm. and you could say like that's unlucky, but I don't really think that is unlucky. That's that's West Virginia. That's how they play. They foul every possession on defense. They 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 are the offensive linemen holding on every play and daring and saying the refs can't call it every time. Um, and that's not to say that that West Virginia isn't a good team or whatever. I'm sure West Virginia fans are going to misinterpret what I'm saying. It's just that's their style of play you're going to have these games every so often where the refs are going to be like, actually, you know what? We are going to call it every time. So now your guys are in foul trouble and you're going to have to deal with that. Uh, and, and that's kind of, that's kind of the thing to me with West Virginia and why I've sort of haven't been as high on them all year as other people are. Like I've kind of come around, like I, you can't deny when they, they won 15 straight at that point, you're like, all right, well, this team is actually something. Um, but yeah, that 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 to me is like what I'm worried about moving forward is is they they do foul a ton on defense and get away with it. Uh, it's not again, it's not so they don't play great defense. Um, and yeah, their their offense is just they have more weapons this year, but it, it always just finds a way to devolve into old West Virginia offense. It's just a sloppy, like one on one Javon Carter against the what what was that the NCAA tournament last year where he's. The, dribbled the, out and jacked, yeah. <laughs> the worst final possession of all time. Is yeah, like, the worst. You yeah. can barely. They did. I don't even think they got a shot off. Right, like it hit the side of the backboard. Even if they did, and it, it, yeah. it was terrible. Yeah, they always find a way to make those stereotypes. Like no matter what kind of team they have, they always find their way back to those stereotypes. And um, so knowing that, it's like it's hard to think like what makes this West Virginia team that much better than the other ones that have come before it. And I don't really know what the answer is. So. Speaking, we're going to go back quickly to Kansas. Uh, Devontae Graham, did you see his grandma? I did, yes. There's yes. nothing better than that. Devontae Graham's grandma, and you know she calls him grandbaby. Like, not grandbaby, yes. but grandbaby. And uh, he calls her grandma. Those are two great nicknames. <laughs> great play on words with the family. She's dancing the entire time. She's she's become Wayne Seldon's dad. She's now going to be a star at every single game. She's oh, getting yeah, yeah. a nice cutaway, and we're going to see her dancing, and then we're going to go back to Graham and say, this guy just loves basketball. He loves playing the game. His grandma loves watching him play. Um, I'm excited for that storyline for the rest of the year. So shout out to um, Grandma. 
Yeah, I just wanted to mention West Virginia, for, for those that didn't watch the game, I guess we forgot to provide this context. West Virginia was up 55-43 to 43 with 8.57 to play, yes. um, which is 12-point lead with nine minutes. The The win probability I saw was 94.6 win probability, but now that I'm looking at the numbers, like that actually, a 12-point lead with nine minutes is by no means like a lock. It's 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 a bad loss to to let it to let a twelve point lead slip away like that, but I don't think ninety five percent. But anyway, that's what the that's what the computers were saying. So basically, West Virginia at one point it was a ninety five percent lock that they were going to win, and they they did not win. They choked it away. Um, they were supposed to be the challenger in the Big Twelve, and I guess that transitions. We're going to get to Duke in a second, Tate. I know you're you're excited to talk about Duke coming back against Miami, but uh, mm, no, West Virginia. <laughs> West Virginia losing to Kansas um, has Big 12 implications. Everyone wants to talk about the Kansas streak. Is it going to continue? This felt like the year it was not going to continue because Kansas has obvious flaws. They're they're not a very good basketball team. They just shoot a ton of threes and run up and down the floor, and that's pretty much all they do. Um, but they beat West Virginia, who is supposed to be their biggest challenger. Their other big challenger, Oklahoma, yep. shits the bed at Kansas State last night, and now suddenly... Kansas is back on top of the Big 12 standings. They're they're looking like they're going to do it again. Is is this just a lost cause? Like why even bother having the discussion that Kansas might lose a Big 12 at this point, right? We we said we're going to call it the Kansas uh conference next year if they win uh cuz then they would break Wooden's record and we're we're on the verge of this happening. Uh I watched that Kansas State game last night. Kansas State's defense, I mean, we were just talking about West Virginia versus Kansas's defense. I feel like Kansas State is right in the middle between West Virginia and Kansas. Their defense is really good. Might might even be better than Kansas's defense. They were all over Trey Young. Trey Young, what did yeah. he have? 12 turnovers? That was the most in D1 yeah. in the last yeah. like five years or something crazy like that. Um, he had the the Ev- the Evan Turner triple double is what I call it. It's where you get a double double with double digit turnovers. It's the Evan Turner triple double. That, that's a great triple double. Uh, shout out to Evan Turner for that. Uh, but yeah, and then uh, Trey Young is averaging the most turnovers in college basketball. What like five point eight turnovers per game? I mean, obviously that's a lot of turnovers. That that's a lot of turnovers. And he's had five or more turnovers in four of the last five games. That was a nice little tidbit that you had there. Uh, I just when I look at Trey Young and what's going on with him, I think the hype is the hype is getting to him. And we said this we, we said this happening. when it happened. We we didn't want it to it, it happened too soon. He peaked too early with everyone jumping on the bandwagon and he needed a little bit right. of a breather. And I'm hoping that this game will keep people like to to cool the jets a little bit and let the guy just have fun again. No, absolutely not. Um I'm too I'm I'm in too deep. I said this already on the pod that I, I'm am in too deep with Trey. I'm I'm a ride or die with him. Uh he, I, I'm blaming all this on his teammates. Tate, he he can't do it. He's too humble. Um, his teammates suck. They let him down. Didn't get him good enough screens. Um, they did not catch his passes as he was chucking them into the stands. He, they should have got their hands <laughs> on those. Just jump, catch uh, it. They should have. Yeah, they should have. They should have got him more open so he could have made a lot more shots. Um, also the Kansas State, like if we're being honest, Kansas State wears that purple. Like it kind of messes with your eyes a little bit. You think it's black. You think you got like a dark background to shoot into, but it's really like a, a background of purple shirts, and it just kind of—I'm sure that played a part. Um, no, I—I I, actually—I I still think Trey Young's fine. The problem to me, what I think is going on with him is he is—he's uh, buying into the show too much. Yeah, he's trying like, to do too a, much. He's trying to do too much, but it's not just that he's like—it's not just that. It's that—that that he knows that he's like a showman, and and. This was this was something that like he, we we always make the comparison with Steph Curry because that's what everyone wants to do with with Trey Young. But 
that year, what was it? The year before Durant joined the Warriors when Steph was just like absolutely nuts. Yeah, 2015, um, that, 2016, that like, the MVP year where yeah. he was unstoppable. And yeah, that 50, 40, 90 I watched more easily. NBA. Yeah. I watched more NBA that year than I, th- I think I've ever watched in my life. Um, but Steph that year, you could tell that he understood it wasn't just like a, there was like a game within the game. And like when he would go on the road, he would almost play better because he knew there, there was like something about like, I'm playing in front of people that don't get to see me all the time and I'm going to put on a show for them and I'm going to pull up from half court in Oklahoma City and just kind of act like it's no big deal that I hit the game winner. And he did stuff like that like all season. And you could tell that he was like a showman more so than a basketball player. It's it's the way, Trey, yeah, it's the way Jordan approached it. He was like, I am, a, right. I am a show. I'm like the circus going on the road. I think Trey is like feeding into that part of it too much. Is like not only is he is he taking too many shots and trying to throw the ball all over the place. It's he's got that element of like I could shoot this shot, but why do that when I could shoot this even harder shot? And if it goes in, then the crowd will really go crazy because that that definitely has happened. Like you watch you watch these games when he plays on the road, he'll hit insane shots and you'll see the entire crowd just like their shoulders slump and people <laughs> just like drop their head and they're just like dis- dis- disgusted. Um, and it's hilarious. That's like the funniest thing. That's like the basketball version of the. Uh, um, they have that thing in college football where they call it the surrender cobra, where like two, where you know you give up a, a big touchdown and then like the fans put their hands on their head and they look like a a cobra snake. I guess is the the idea. That's like the basketball version of that. Is is a guy hits starts getting hot and then you see like the people just slump in their chairs and shake their heads. They're like, God damn, we can't do anything to stop this guy. Trey Young is aware of that. He every time he plays on the road, he's aware that fans are doing that, and he's like trying. He, he's almost like trying to get those reactions out of the fans more than he's trying to win the game. And I know I'm not. I'm not trying to overreact to one game, but um, he's trending that way a little too much. And if he just dials it back, like fifteen percent, we'll be back on track. My favorite thing about what's going on with Trey right now is that I, I watched the game last night on ESPNU, and. I'm, I'm, as I'm watching the game, he's having all these turnovers. You can tell he's frustrated. You know, Kruger's talking to him, trying to figure it out. And I'm like, I can't wait until tomorrow and I wake up and everyone says Trey Young in Oklahoma has peaked. And I'm sort of joking. I don't think yeah. that's actually going to happen. But then I just looked. I just Googled Trey Young. And it that happened. was the first three headlines. Are, 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 are we sure Oklahoma hasn't peaked with Trey Young? And let me just tell you right now, <laughs> that that's not the case. Kansas State is a really good <laughs> no. defensive team. They're a better defensive team right. than Kansas right now. And on the road in Manhattan is a really tough place to play. And you're right. I mean, he is buying into the showman act, but that'll get cleaned up once we get to the tournament and he has to really make plays and he stops thinking about all this other stuff. It's a lot to take in. He's got Steph Curry saying he's, you know, really likes the way he plays. He's got LeBron James saying that, you know, he's a cold, what do you say, a cold-blooded killer or something like that. I mean, you get all Mm -hmm. these NBA stars and... Kenny, you know, Kenny and Charles and Shaq are talking about you on TNT. All, all this stuff just happens out of nowhere. You got Bill Simmons losing his mind every time he watches you talking about, how, you know, how he's going to play on the Celtics next year. You got all these media people just, you know, clamoring over you all the time. He obviously looks at it all. He's on his phone. He's a young kid. I mean, it's hard not to buy into yourself a little bit. And I think that's just what's happening right now. And it's going to be fine because he's been through all this before. I mean, he went through a little bit of a high period, you know, not too long ago, like early in December. And then he got humbled a little bit, and then he started doing some crazy stuff again. Mm-hmm. The guy still had 43 points against TCU. Uh, we can't right. we can't forget that. And some of the moments he's had this year are insane. And I, I saw a great stat. I mean, Steph Curry's first game at Davidson, he had 13 turnovers. Right? Like it's not really? like yeah, his first game he had, That's thir- a, yeah. he had 13 turnovers. Go. So it's not like we we haven't seen someone of this caliber have a really bad game. So as it, I don't know, as it I, turns I, I don't out, buy into all this. 
as it turns out, a 19-year-old who regularly shoots from 35 feet and tries to throw the most impossible passes in basketball yes. is prone to an off. He's prone to an off night every so often. Yeah. Who would have thought? Who would have thunk it? Who would have possibly seen that coming? Uh, yeah, I'm not overreacting either. But, but I am going to say this: that like less about Trey Young, more about Oklahoma as a whole. That the Big 12 race, like that one, hurt last night losing at Kansas State. Yes. Because we're. We're not rooting, by the way, like Oklahoma can still win the Big 12, but but we don't want Oklahoma to win the Big 12. We want Kansas to lose the Big 12 because every one of these losses like at Kansas State is a tally. It it doesn't doom Oklahoma's chances of winning the Big 12, but it makes it to where the only chance Oklahoma might have is if they tie with Kansas, and we don't want to tie, Tate. We want Kansas to not – we want to see the streak snap. We just want – we want to feel something for once in our lives watching Big 12 basketball and – Kansas is is making it very hard for us. Um, and yeah, I don't. I, let's I, be I honest. Think, everyone in the Big Twelve is wanting Kansas to lose because that means that someone else will get in the tournament, right? Like that that helps with the right. case of the Big Twelve if Kansas finishes in third or second. Uh, we're we're at a point where like Texas Tech is our best hope. I mm-hmm. think Texas Tech has only lost one game. Kansas has only lost one game. Uh, Oklahoma and West Virginia have now lost two. Everyone else has lost three or more. Um. Texas Tech, like Texas Tech, plays great defense. They have a ton of athletes. Like that, I like that because that's not going away anytime soon. Like you're always going to have great, you're always going to have great athletes, and therefore, typically, always going to have a great defense. Um, But I just hear those words out loud. Like Texas Tech is our hope against Kansas. Is that does that instill confidence? I don't think it does. We have a lot of confidence in Keenan (laughs) Evans to figure this thing out. Let's hope Keenan Evans can do this. They have not finished. They haven't finished seventh or better in the Big Twelve in the last ten years. So that's the. But that's the team we're hoping can snap the streak. The streak that's gone on for like Tate's entire lifetime. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's a sad state of affairs. I Tate. just really uh, wish that Chris Beard would grow a beard so that we could finally see if he can't grow a beard. But he won't. He won't. That that's what yeah. Neither have. will Jay Billis. Yes. Neither will Jay Billis, who's supposed to because Gonzaga made the Final Four. Uh, speaking of Jay Billis, speaking of Dukies, we have to talk about Duke beating Miami um you and I have to eat crow on this one uh I actually so I was what for a little backstory for those that are just tuning in for the first time Tate and I called this game um before the season even started I think on the very first podcast we did we said Miami is going to beat Duke on January 15th in Miami and that's going to be like the announcement to the country Miami is here yes um so I'm watching this game at a bar on Monday I I played trivia with some buddies on Monday nights and uh we're pretty good. That's a whole other side story, but yeah, we, we, we got second place this week. No big deal. Um, so we're playing trivia and I'm watching the game and I'm seeing Duke, like Duke gets down what, like 13, I think with like eight minutes left. Um, and I, I turned to everyone at the table and I'm like, Hey, you see that game going on right now? Not to brag, but I, I called that and I didn't just call that. I called that like in October that Miami was going to blow out Duke. I'm pretty awesome. Aren't I? And then we we I, I kind of stop watching the game and we just start we start focusing more on like the trivia and just kind of talking to some of my my buddies and drinking beers and stuff. And I look up and like in the snap of a finger, as as soon as I made that comment, Duke had tied the game. So I, I kind of hold myself personally responsible for this date. But we almost called it. We almost had it. We were like eight minutes short though. We did call it. This game was all there. It was all for the taking. And I'll tell you why. I'm telling you, I'm gonna tell you why it didn't happen. And it's called Coach K not sticking to his principles. And th- mm. this is a man. This is a man that spent his whole career telling you about how he he plays his way and it's his style of coaching and blah 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 yada yada. 
So first of all, we got Coach K's jacket thrown off because Miami's just you know berating them. Likes this kid likes is like Muggsy Bogues in the first half. Wait, he, did what? that happen? He took his jacket off. I missed that. Oh yeah, Coach K threw the jacket. Did off. Did he throw it? Oh yeah. Oh, that's awesome. He threw the jacket off, red faced, you know, ready to go. Rats on full attack. You know, it, it was prime time stuff. Miami's doing great. Dewan Hule is dunking over people. Uh, I don't. I don't know if you saw his Bagley in the first like three minutes of the game. He went to the locker room. So I'm like. As soon as that happened, I almost texted you and said, we got ourselves a win, Mark Titus. Because, you know, as soon as Bagley ran to the locker room, I'm like, if they don't have Bagley, tonight's over. Grayson Allen can't throw it in the ocean at this point in time. And, you know, he's he was horrible against Wake Forest, uh, you know, before that. So I, I'm I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm like, this is a great night. I'm, I'm looking for the Duke upset. All things are going well. We get in the second half. Things are still going great for Miami. Brown's figuring it out. Lonnie Walker's hitting open shots. Likes is just driving to the basket, hanging in the air, making easy layups, even though he's like five foot one or maybe even shorter. Um, it, it was crazy. It was a great game so far. And then Gary Trent, I've never seen anything like it. The guy just yeah. cannot miss, goes unconscious. They scored like 16 points unanswered in about 50 seconds. I mean, it went from like a Miami, you know, we're we're blowing this game out with eight minutes left in this game to there's 550 left and Duke somehow is down by two. And it was all Trey Duvall. Trey Duvall, a guy who has not made a three-pointer. This and He's wor- almost worse than Theo Pinson shooting three-pointers. Somehow decides that he's going to start making threes in this game. Hits a couple big threes to keep him rolling. Uh, Gary Trent can't miss from three, like I said. And all of a sudden, Miami is just backpedaling. They look lost. Larinaga doesn't know how to beat a zone, and that's what it comes down to. Coach K, a guy that prides himself on man-to-man defense and being a man in general and having guys that match up one-to-one against certain players, had to go zone against Miami. I mean, talk about breaking your principles, and you know that's not Duke basketball, going to zone like this, but Miami, yeah. Miami was not ready to break the zone defense, even though it should be banned from college basketball like it was once upon a time in the NBA because we don't need zones. He went full Bayheim, sold his soul, Ran his zone, yep. and Miami couldn't break it for whatever reason. I don't understand. It's, it's not hard to break a zone. By the way. And they blew it. I'm going to actually disagree. I think it is hard to break a zone. I, I, it's not. It shouldn't be hard to break a zone, but for some reason, it's hard to break a zone. I don't understand. This is It's this all is mental. Jim, it gets Jim in Bay your Hunt. head. You're like, oh, my God, right. what do I do now? Where do I go with the basketball? But really, it's just like someone get to the high post, and everyone keep moving. Just don't stand there. If you just stand Look, there, then this obviously is, it's going to be a problem. This is why... Um, I love Jim Beheim so much, and I, I like him more than pretty much every other national like non-Syracuse person is because everyone else thinks the zone is like a gimmick, but the dude's like smart enough to realize that 19 and 20-year-old kids have no idea what the hell to do against his zone. And even even if you tell them what to do, like get the ball to the high post, part of Miami's problem was they would throw it to the high post and they would sort of be open and could make a move, and so the guy who would catch it there would think he's obligated to try to score then. And it just kind of gets, like you said, it just gets in your head. You're like, okay, I caught it. Uh, Marvin Bagley or Wendell Carter, whoever's playing in the middle, whoever's on me, is sort of sagging off a little bit. I guess that means I should shoot it, or I guess that means I should try to drive him. I guess that means I have to do something now. And that's not the case. You could turn, you could like take maybe one dribble, shot fake, kick it back out. Like you don't have to shoot it. Um, but that's how, like, nobody knows how to teach his own offense in college basketball. And it's, it's like an epidemic, and Jim Beheim's just laughing his ass off because he, Jim Beheim has a terrible team this year, but they still have like one of the best defenses in the country, and they would be even worse if he didn't play that zone. So, um, didn't didn't K pull out the zone against uh, Michigan State too this year? Yeah, he's selling his soul. 
He's onto something. Yeah. No, he's not. He's not onto anything. <laughs> he, he can't. He can't get the team to actually play defense. Uh, my question to you: Did you see the dweeb lineup? This is called the dweeb lineup. I don't know if you've seen this. <laughs> uh, so they have they have this lineup of guys that Coach K puts out there when like the superstar one and done guys aren't trying hard, basically when they're not like playing Duke basketball, like hustling on the floor. So he puts in David Robinson's son, Justin Robinson, who is. I can't believe he's related to David Robinson. He puts in Jordan Goldwire, this this guy who's a three-star, comes in. He puts in Jack White, who's like an Australian kid that's you know sort of the same thing, quintessential Duke-looking guy. And he puts in Alex O'Connell, son of Dave O'Connell, former Dukey. And, uh, and he puts them all in, and then he puts them in with a five-star guy. Like I think he put that lineup in with Marvin Bagley. So if you watch them, if you just like went and just watched those four guys with Marvin Bagley, it would make zero sense to you why they're all playing together. It looks like the old. It yeah. looks like the former Duke team, like what a Duke team used to look like in the '90s, and then like some freakish Chris Webber type guy that they just threw in with them. It'd be like if you had the 1991 Duke team with Chris Webber on it, is what it looks like. But it's so funny. They're like slapping each other in the butt. They can't get enough of it. Like Grayson slapping Alex O'Connell. Alex O'Connell is- slapping Grayson. It's just, it was sickening to watch. But I called the dweeb lineup, <laughs> and uh, I hope we see a lot more of that. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping we get a lot more dweeb lineups. Who's this O'Connell guy? I, I've been watching. Duke, I oh. this wasn't the first time I'd seen him. I've been watching Duke all year. Like I know who he, I I know who he is, and I know he's he's not a terrible player. But no, um, he's good. He's, I think he's going to end up yeah, playing he, big minutes for Duke. Right. It might not be this year, but he's definitely learning from Grayson. Like he's 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 under Grayson's wing. His dad, Dave O'Connell. Funny story. His dad, Dave O'Connell, played at Duke in the '80s back in the day. And the lady that used to watch me after school, her name's Miss K, Miss Kimbrell. Um, she was a big Duke alum. Went to all the Duke games all, all the time and everything. And so the Duke players used to come over to her house. This is back before K came to Duke, and they used to come over and like eat breakfast or like come over on Sunday, you know, after church to to eat food and stuff. And Dave O'Connell used to always come over and play pickup. And uh, and allegedly he was not the he was a nice guy, but you know, in a Duke way. So if you were if you were a little obnoxious kid, he, he wouldn't talk to you and be a jerk to you. So I, I think that's how Alex is too. But uh, yeah, Alex O'Connell is in the Duke lineage. He is a Duke guy through and there through. And uh, I'm excited to see what happens with him. We need more PT for Alex O'Connell. We need more real Duke guys. I'm tired of all these one and doneers that aren't. They don't buy into the program. I, I want real, true blue Duke dudes. And Alex O'Connell, he he fits all that. Um. Before before we get off Duke, uh, I want to just give some thoughts and prayers to Coach K for missing the Wake Forest game for sickness <laughs> for a virus. Um, Do you think he had the same thing virus, I had? Yeah. I think he did. Ooh, interesting. Ooh, did Coach K get me sick? I think he did. Ooh, ooh, interesting. Um, I I just yeah, it's it's always it's always sad when Coach K has to miss games, especially when uh his sicknesses, his illnesses, his surgeries, they always seem to align with the part of the schedule that is manageable for Duke. <laughs> Games he doesn't um, want to coach. It's just never, like a waste never, of time. You notice, yeah, you notice he never gets sick in March. He never gets surgery in March. He never gets, uh, yeah, he never has health problems in March. But he has a ton of health problems. So that's that's interesting. That's interesting. Just very good luck that man has. Um, coach yeah, K has never gotten good. sick for a primetime game on ESPN. Let's just say that. <laughs> right. If, right. Uh, <laughs> you can check also, that. Uh, in all seriousness, you brought up the 2-3 zone. You bring up Duke's defense. Um, this was... The reason I said at the beginning of the year that this was the game Duke was going to lose, the reason I've been saying it all year is because this sort of, to me, screamed of the of the turning point for Duke. I thought Duke was going to struggle defensively because that's kind of what they do every year now with the one-and-done thing is they have no continu- continuity, no chemistry on the defensive end, um, and they just give up a ton of points. 
And then in 2015, the the, fl- the they they flipped the switch in the mid January. So I'm looking at this Miami game, thinking that mid January game is sort of going to have to be the wake up call. So my prediction was they're going to get their asses kicked, and then this K was going to you know run their asses in practice the next the following few days, and this was going to be the moment in time where like Duke sort of turned their season around. Um, and I think it, so basically what I'm saying is like, sort of keep an eye on that. Cause I think it might've kind of happened against Miami, like going to the zone. I think Kay's kind of found something with that as much as you want to say that that's not because uh, Duke doesn't have to play great defense. The two, three zone is not going to shut teams down. Um, and I, I certainly don't think they should like come out and play two, three zone for 40 minutes like Jim Beheim. Uh, but he's sort of like found this ace up his sleeve that he can just kind of like throw out a two, three zone with his length and athleticism that they have and hope that it could get some stops and um, just how good Duke is offensively. They don't need to, they don't need to play great defense. They just have to play adequate defense. And I don't know. Part of it is like Miami was trash on offense, but um, yeah. So that, that's just something to keep your eye on. Cause like, this is the, this is the moment if Duke's going to win a national championship, this is about the time of year. They got to start tightening it up defensively. So if they're still struggling like the next few weeks, and there's you know in a couple of weeks they give up 86 points to some unranked team mm-hmm. then we might then we might be hitting the panic button if you're a duke fan but uh otherwise everything is going according to plan if you're a duke fan which is why i think the dukies are still going to win the national title Tate. i'm sorry to say but let me just say this there's no way they're winning the national title with the way grayson allen is playing right now and i know nobody wants to talk about grayson you're not wrong i mean he's he's averaging what like 6 points a game in their past three games or something i mean he's yeah he's been awful you're not wrong He's been god awful. Yeah, you're not wrong. I think they need more O'Connell. That, Bench Grayson, put in O'Connell. That's my answer. <laughs> he had that. He had that huge steal and dunk uh, at, against Miami, and then he uh, he did the follow through. Um, I really wish we could hate Grayson Allen because I would have like I would have made a mockery of. Uh, he he dunks the ball and then like he the way he like follows through he like pushes <laughs> the ball into the stands. Yes, and it was totally accidental. But if this happened last year, people would have taken that video and just like ripped it to shreds. They'd be like, "Look at it! What an asshole hitting the ball into the stands after he dunks it." Yeah, I I just I miss hating Grayson Allen. It was so I'm, much fun. I'm telling and, you, he's so bad now that we can't hate him. It's exactly what happened. Nobody hap- hates him. Yeah, it's what happened to Greg Paulus at Duke. It's the exact same thing that happened to Greg um, Paulus. His first two years everyone hated him he was good and then by the end everyone forgot about him uh one more game i want to mention just really quick before we get on to the uh, good guy bad guy kyle guy segment of the show that everyone's waiting on uh michigan beats michigan state by 10 in east lansing Mm -hmm. over the weekend uh wagner moritz wagner wagner drops 27 points in 27 minutes he was in foul trouble uh michigan state has 18 turnovers just shout out to Tom Izzo for the manufactured adversity. Uh, gets ranked number one, loses at Ohio State, gets blown out at Ohio State, gets blown out at home against his rivals. Um, I, I, you and I see right through this bullshit. I'm yes. not panicking over Michigan State. This no. is this is, you know, this is par for the course for them. But I will say, our boy Miles Bridges is averaging five point eight three point attempts per game, Jeez. and he's shooting thirty three percent from the three point line. Five point eight eight. Mm. That's he should, and if, if if you don't watch a ton of college basketball and you're not really sure of how many that is, is that a lot? Is that not a lot? Miles Bridges should be averaging like two and a half threes a game, and he's averaging 5.83 attempts. He's shooting 33%. I mean, that tells you all you need to know. If you're shooting 33%, maybe take a few fewer shots. I it, don't know. It's like he's become a spot-up shooter like Matt McQuaid somehow. Yeah. he He's really hurt yeah, his stock. That's all he does. I, I know. No, I, I don't really care about, like, you know, talking about teams, like what happens to draft stock because that's so individualized. But with him, especially with he, when he came back, we all thought Bridges was going to be a monster that's going to take Michigan State to the top. 
but it is uh he's played out of position all year we keep saying that but it's been bad. I don't. I don't know what to do. I think Izzo's going to have to make some sort of change. I hope they do some sort of death lineup where they have Ward coming off the bench, even though Ward's going to fight everyone if that happens. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we got to figure that out for Bridges. Michigan State's in a weird spot. We will. I will belabor this point the rest of the season until they do something about it. But Michigan State and Arizona are both two teams who have otherworldly talents on their teams, and DeAndre Aiden and Miles Bridges, and both DeAndre Aiden and Miles Bridges are playing out of position and. It shows every single time you watch them. They win games in spite of this. They don't win games because of this. Like Michigan State has not won a single game this year because Miles Bridges is playing the three. Mm-hmm. They're winning. They're just like winning because they're so talented. And this it has not helped Michigan State at all to put him in that position. It has not helped Arizona at all to play DeAndre Ayton at the four. Um, and that's just that's something I'm going to watch all year. And I and that it kind of it kind of bothers me. But as far as the uh, Michigan State, like, is there anything super wrong with them? I don't think there is. I think it's Miles Bridges plays the three and shoots too many threes, and they have too many turnovers of point guard. Like, that's it. Yeah, that's you just figure those two things out, you're fine. And we should so, say, yeah, uh, we, Michigan was the other team. Monday night was three huge comeback wins. Kansas comes back on West Virginia. Duke comes back on Miami. Michigan comes back on Maryland and makes Mark Turgeon once again a good guy. Uh, and so Michigan oh, yeah, has two yeah. big wins. They they beat Michigan State, and then they get a comeback win on Maryland on Monday night. So. Uh, a lot of upsets on Monday, a lot of comeback wins, and uh, it was a it was a big night. Michigan is playing very well. It, it pains me to say it, but uh, Michigan is 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 looking good. This is a this is a good Michigan team, and and Wagner's got it back. He was he was kind of struggling at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. or he was maybe not struggling, but just wasn't like the guy who like in the NCAA tournament he like burst onto the scene, and then and then he decided he was coming back, and everyone was like, oh god, this guy's gonna be great, and then he just kind of. Never really jumped on my radar, but he's back on my radar. Good he's to have back. you back, Mortz Wagner. Uh, let's take a break, and then we'll do the uh, good guy, bad guy, and cow we'll, guy. Yeah, we'll come back. Tate, I got fantastic news. There's a revolutionary new detergent on the market that is designed just for guys like you and me. It is called Frey, and it was created to both smell better and treat your clothing better than regular detergents. Mm. In the words of one of their customers, now hang, hang on, listen to this. Frey smells like GQ magazine kidnapped Liam Neeson's daughter to make him smell like Randy Savage was coming to kick their ass. That that sounds pretty wild. That sounds like something um, that someone at the ringer wrote. So that must have been one of yeah. their customers. It so it smells awesome. We'll put it that way. Uh, go to go to livefrey F-R-E-Y.com and use the code SHINING25 for 25% off of your first purchase. That's livefrey F-R-E-Y.com use the code shining 25 for 25% off uh men's detergent I actually need some of this I I my clothes do not smell well I need Frey Frey come drop a bag for me what about me what about the guy that matters give me come drop the bag for me all right Tate are you ready for this yes speaking of dropping bags yes good guy bad guy Kyle guy uh it's it's been a little while it's been over a week since we've done it um there's a there are a lot of candidates out there we're going to start as always with our good guy. Do you want to go first? You want me to? I'll go first. Okay, go ahead. Good guy of the week for me. Uh, starts with a G, ends with a G. Greg Gard, uh, Wisconsin Badgers. Good guy of the week for me. Uh, yeah. Three-game losing streak for the Badgers. Uh, I watched them last night. They go to Purdue. Big Monday night game. Primetime ESPN. Chance for an upset. Uh, you know, you got Ethan Happ. Maybe he turns things around. Dan Dockage is there on the call. There's a big chance for an upset in the Big Ten, and they just completely get waxed. 
Ethan Happ was in harm's way all night. Yes, that was a joke. Matt Harms dominated Ethan Happ. It literally wrecked him all night. Matt Harms is an unbelievable freshman. And Isaac Haas looks unstoppable. Uh, Wisconsin just looks really bad. I don't know what Greg Gard can do with this team. Um, <laughs> they, two and four yeah. in the Big Ten, nine and ten overall. Uh, this is the team, Wisconsin, that you know last year had the big upset in the tournament, big win over Villanova team that's you know made it to a final four not too long ago with Kaminsky and Decker a team that looked like they were on the rise a little bit but now with half this year and I don't know it's it's been all downhill for Wisconsin Buzzcut Brad is doing his best to draw charges he's basically their inter- most entertaining part of their team is Buzzcut Brad trying hard on defense that's about all they have half looks lost all yep. the time I don't even think he can get drafted anymore at this point um total good guy Greg Gard for me what about you Titus <laughs> Hap, Hap could never, first of all, Hap was never getting drafted. Hap can't shoot. <laughs> the, the thing that's the most frustrating thing to me about Wisconsin is in the preseason, we were led to believe that Ethan Hap was going to be a shooter this year. He, he was jacking threes in the preseason games. Yeah. We, we were led to believe that like he, he's going to expand his game and he's going to be a pick and pop guy now. And he's still going to have all those post moves. He's still going to have the spin move going baseline that everyone knows is coming, but for some reason can't stop. Um, but now he's going to be able to shoot and he's going to be a killer and unstoppable. And it just hasn't happened Tate. the watching Wisconsin at, at Purdue was, uh, it, it just, it, it brought back great memories to last year when people were trying to pretend like Ethan half was better than Caleb Swanigan and should be considered big to play. And I was like pulling my hair out. Like, are you guys nuts? Are you watching the same game that I am? Because Caleb Swanigan is unbelievable. So I will say this. Um, Ethan Happ was a guy that PER, metrics, advanced stats, everything loved Ethan Happ the first two years he was at Wisconsin. Yeah. And uh, he has now regressed to the mean. And he is well, looking terrible. Uh, in, in Ethan Happ's defense, I don't think he... He never asked for this. He was never a superstar. He was never supposed to be a superstar. Mm-hmm. Like, he... Part of what makes him so good was that he could play off of Nigel Hayes and Bronson Koenig, and he was just sort of like the guy who who didn't try to do too much, and people didn't really focus on him. And, he was the third option. Um, now he's the first option. Yeah, now he's the first option. Like every scouting report starts and ends with him, and don't let him spin baseline, and he can't shoot, so like force him this way. Like that's that's the whole focal point. And Wisconsin's like throwing him the ball, saying, "Ethan, we need you to save us." And he's like. I have one move. I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> He's like, everyone knows and, that I spin baseline. I don't know what yeah, to do. Please take the ball back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like he's, it's, it's like, he's been given too much responsibility and it's like kind of not his fault. And he's, I don't know. So, I mean, I don't want to rip on the guy too much, but yeah, it's been, it's been a rough year. No, for we're ripping on Greg guard for not helping him out. So Greg guard, yeah, good guy. Exactly. We. We're ripping on Greg guard. Um, my good guy, we already touched on it. Uh, so I'll, I'll make it quick, but uh, Bob Huggins, West Virginia was, was ranked second in the country. He had won 15 games in a row. And then Bob Huggins does a big-time good guy move and bequeaths his fashion Mm. to Bill Self. um, And in doing so, blows the game against Kansas. Puts West Virginia behind the eight ball in the Big 12 race. Um, They still have a shot. Like I said, they could could return the favor in Lawrence still. They get to play Kansas in Lawrence. And if West Virginia wins out, they're still going to win the Big 12. But um, if they win out, they're not necessarily going to snap the streak. And that's what's more important to me than any individual team winning. I need Kansas to lose. Uh, but Bob Huggins, they've not, West Virginia has now lost two in a row. Um, I'm not freaking out too much. This is a, this is a case to me of like West Virginia is who we thought they were. They're, they're probably not the second best team in the country. They're probably like the eighth or ninth or 10th somewhere in there. Um, so it's really not that big of a deal, but Bob Huggins is a very good guy this week. And uh, that's my pick. That's a good guy. Really so. good pick. Really good guy. Uh, let's go to the fun part. And that is bad guy of the week. 
sweeping the nation. A lot of bags being dropped. A lot of bad guys getting called out. Uh, this week for you, Mark Titus, who's your bad guy of the week? My bad guy, I don't know if you saw this, uh, Moritz Wagner. We talked about him already. Dropped 27 at Michigan State. Mm. So he goes to the free throw line and Fox, the game was on Fox and they show the graphic, uh, a little get to know the players type situation. You know, like what's your favorite rapper? Who's your, what's your favorite Pop-Tart flavor? What is, you know. What's your favorite cereal in the morning? Yeah. Yeah, what's your favorite? Yeah, that sort of stuff where you get to know the guys. Uh, So one of the questions for Wagner was, um, what is the best advice you ever got from your mom? And you know what Mrs. Wagner said? Mm. She said this, Tate, ask me for money if you need it. That is a bad guy. Yes. That is a that is a good mom is coming through with the bags. Um, you just go ask mom for money. She's gonna drop the bag for you. Uh that that is a big time bad guy. We 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 all want to have a mom who's a bad guy, and Moritz Wagner is lucky enough to uh have one. So um I just wanted to shout out Moritz Wagner's mom. Shout out Germany. Uh, that's good for her. She's got mad stacks in Germany sending them over. What do you think it is? Like Western like TransUnion yeah. just is like it, sending over checks? Just, yeah, does she drop the bag? like what what is the German currency all i know is euro yeah i think that, i the think German. they're using euros just your yeah whatever are they do they have like their own yeah whatever it's probably but just how like dropping the yeah just gold just straight gold bars <laughs> for the wagner family yeah yeah Moore's wagner doing well doing well for himself that's why i didn't have to go to the nba how about you? What, now we figured it out well What's your pick? Uh, bad guy of the week. Bad guy for of the week for me. I mean, we sort of touched on this on Casual Fridays this past Friday, but Frank Martin. Uh, yeah, bad guy of the week. He gets a huge win last night. We didn't even touch on this. Kentucky loses at South Carolina last night. Um, so Frank Martin gets a big win. He also gets a big commitment from Brian Bowen, the uh, the guy that we all know about from the Louisville situation. Hundred thousand dollar man, Brian Bowen. He he goes to South Carolina. He will sit out a semester. They hope to have him back in the fall for his first full year. To play next year at South Carolina, we'll see if he actually does that or becomes a nun and done. Regardless, he's in Columbia. He did transfer. He will be on the basketball team if he decides to do so next season. So that's a big bag drop there to get him. A, a guy that was at one point valued at $100,000. We do not know what the what the price yep. was for this situation, but a bag uh, was in the hands of someone, I'm sure. Uh, but I will say my number one bad guy, I mean, Frank Martin aside, is Kyle Lowry. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Villanova. Gets a one million dollar donation from Cal Lowry uh, for the new locker room wow. and for for the arena that they actually play in because apparently Cal Lowry uh, plays there um, and practices there in the off season. So he said he wanted to have nice facilities for himself, which is makes the donation a little more selfish than you would expect. But uh, you know mm-hmm. it's still pretty nice, and he had a, a whole big thing. Uh, you know, thinking everyone. What I feel bad about it, it. How does this feel if you're Alan Ray or if you're Randy Foy or if you're Dante Cunningham and, and you see Kyle Lowry just dropping a bag of one million dollars? You got to feel bad because those are all his role models. Yes. They were all seniors when he was a sophomore there. Um, I don't know. I feel bad for Alan Ray and Randy Foy. They just got showed up by uh, your boy Kyle Lowry. One million dollars. What can we, can we figure? By the way, can we figure out the Villanova gym situation? Like they have the gym on campus that they play some games in, but they also play in the Sixers Arena. Yeah, in the Wells like Fargo how, can, Center. Yeah. Can, can we get Villanova their own arena? How do we? What do we need to do? Like, if, yeah. if the arena on campus isn't good enough, can we? Can we renovate it? No, they're, we, that's what they're doing. Do something about this. So it's a sixty million dollar renovation for the new. Oh, they are. Yeah, that they are building or renovating okay. or whatever they're doing. And then Kyle Kyle Lowry gave one million dollars for the locker room in All that right. new place. 
That makes more sense. I, yes. I thought you were saying he was donating like a million dollars just for, I don't know. <laughs> no, for, I think, I think for, it's for the 76 or three. I think he literally is, uh, I think he's literally just giving a million dollars so that the locker room will be named the Kyle Lowry locker room or something like that. Um, right, right. Which is genius. It's yeah. always good to get in early. So it's like named after I, you. And that, that's, that's just the right way to play. It. Absolutely. I tried to I tried to do that with Ohio State when they renovated the the Schottenstein Center. Mm. Um, I tried to I I wanted to figure out like what is the lowest amount of money I can donate to have something <laughs> named after me, and not like a not like a room. I wanted it to be like the Mark Titus refrigerator that's in the in the Michael Red locker room or whatever. Yeah. You know, like I wanted I wanted something like that. And they in in typical fashion, they all just stared at me and were like, "Get the hell out of my office! Don't ever talk to me yeah. again." You're um, not a bad pretty guy. Pretty much every conversation. That's what they yeah, said. Every conversation I ever had. Uh, the one comment I wanted to have on uh, Frank Martin and Brian Bowen. Mm. Uh, Brian Bowen. Uh, I don't I don't know if you knew this. His Twitter handle is at twenty tugs two zero t u g s. So oh, you're saying, how did he get that nickname? I have no idea. That's it. And this is a Louisville recruit. Is this, um, yeah, is this what they called him at Louisville? <laughs> this is, Oh, that's 20 tugs. I just, I just wanted to bring this up to our audience that, uh, Brian Bowen is like, what? I, I don't understand it. I, <sighs> I don't, I'm not going to try to understand it. I'm oh just going to smile and, uh, we'll smile and it, move on. They, Do you have anything with, uh, they called race spotting 20 pools. Um, <laughs> what do you what do you, do you say, have any Kyle, Kyle Guy do you updates? Have a Kyle Guy update? I I just googled Kyle Guy to see what came up on Google News. It, it's 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 not a lot. I don't know what Kyle Guy's up to, but I just beating a lot of people. That's all I know. What, uh, they they beat they I beat NC this. State. Uh, that was probably their you know the biggest news well, for them. And I don't know. It, it, we'll, we'll transition fine. into we'll transition into shoutouts. Then speaking of Kyle Guy, we'll talk about Kyle Guy's teammate. Uh. Jack Saul, I wanted to give a shout out to for absolutely murdering an NC State player with the, with the screen. Um, this is apparently I haven't. I'll be honest, I don't follow Jack Salt that closely. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not a guy who I am tuning into Virginia games for. He's just kind of anonymous white guy who stands there. Um, but come to find out, this is like a thing he does. He he levels people a lot. Yes, and I I came across a. A video, a highlight video that a Virginia fan had put together of like Jack Salt, the best screens of his career, and it's like the most Virginia thing I think I've ever seen in my life. Um, so I just want to give a shout out to one Jack Salt, two Virginia fans who they just get they just get so hot and bothered over like good screens and shot cock violations and and holding teams to like twelve points and a half. Like that's what gets Virginia fans going. And so, trapping, um, they love to trap people in the corner. Trapping, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the best. So, um, yeah, so yeah, let's just let's just do it. Let's just transition into our shout outs. Right, we'll wrap this thing up. Next up, here. I got a shout out. Uh, John Calipari, a guy that we have kept our eyes on, and he has kept done his best to keep, you know, off ESPN, to keep himself out of the spotlight. He knows he doesn't quite have a team that he thinks is ready to be in the spotlight. But he finally brought him he finally brought himself back out. You know, they win at Vanderbilt. Uh, Ashley Judd was there. It was a good opportunity for you know all the Kentucky fans to come back out of the woodwork and say, "Hey, we're a real team this year." They go down to South Carolina. The Jared Vanderbilt comes back. They suit him up. This five-star recruit. They're going to finally get back out there and have a real team. And Calipari, did you see this video of him hitting the half-court shot? Yes. So, yes, so, I did. See so this. he leaks that to ESPN. Him hitting a half-court shot. He's like, "I'm back, baby." <laughs> He's like, "I'm back. Look at me." I got my team back. I'm ready to roll. Brad Calipari's playing in the first half now. We're ready to do this. 
and then they just put up a major L. They just blow it at South Carolina in Columbia yeah. right when he's back on the main stage. So shout out John Calipari for finally putting down his guard, putting his team back in the spotlight, and then just completely blowing it. So way to go, John. Uh yeah, he won. He won two games in a. It's, that's two games in a row at Vanderbilt that he's won. Yes, you and I talk about it all the time. How Calipari has problems at Vanderbilt because the benches are all messed up, and he can't yell at his guys. He can't yell out switches guys, or yeah, his kids. I'm sorry, he can't yell at these kids. How do he doesn't know how to reach these kids <laughs> at Vanderbilt? Yeah, he can't yell at the switches. He can't play defense for his team. Yes, um, at Vanderbilt, but he's overcome that. He's won two in a row. But like you said, he blew it at South Carolina. Um, dare I say, should we bring it up? Is Kentucky on the bubble? Hmm. hmm. Is Kentucky a potential bubble team, Tate? Hmm. hmm. I'm not saying. I'm just saying who who is Kentucky's best win? Like Texas A&M, who's in last place in the SEC. Yep. Uh, it, it's it's honestly probably Louisville, who is not a very good basketball team, and gonna so, fall off in the um, ACC at some point. They haven't yet, but they probably right. will. Yeah, Louisville's about to run into a brick wall in the ACC, and just uh, yeah, I don't know. Kentucky and the SEC is not a not a not an easy conference. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know, John. Um, uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, Colorado. Got their first ever win in Pauley Pavilion. Um, I don't really have much else to say about that. But Ted Boyle, I thought Colorado was going to do nothing this year. Uh, even when they even when they swept the Arizona teams, uh, when the Arizona teams came to visit them, I still thought that was more of the elevation and the home court advantage and it's, we, we, it's we always the elevation about that. that that's always the problem i talked about yeah tad boyle was my bad guy of the week last week mm-hmm. and uh we talked about the home court advantage and then come to find out the the listeners of one shiny pod pointed out that uh um colorado is the number one home court advantage on ken palm that is actually so that's actually a thing uh, i don't know this i don't subscribe to ken palm because i don't have twenty dollars to to spend a year mm. <laughs> so i couldn't get behind that paywall um but no one day i'm joking it's, One it's, day. it's a joke. Uh, I also I also want to give a shout out. Just like I just want to give a shout out to Tom Kareem because the, there's no specific incident that made me think of this. I just in general I've 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 already brought this up before, but I think he does an amazing job on TV. I love Tom Kareem on TV, and I'm not doing this to like you know to 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 pay back for all the bad things I said about him to uh, you know try to win some some points there um i'm just I, I really genuinely think the guy is really good on on espn but i also think he is angling for the yukon job and i I'm, I'm starting to really think that's a thing i think he's in bristol because he wants the yukon job and kevin ollie's lost five of eight and uh yeah i just want to give a shout out to tom green i just want to give a shout out to the fact that the yukon job is there for the taking it's a it's a sleeping giant uh-huh and <laughs> kevin ollie is asleep at the wheel uh, I think he wants a break. I, I think he needs it some time off. So uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that job is open and Tom Crean is right there in Connecticut ready to take it. You're right. Good call. Uh, I want to do a shout-out to Syracuse uh, for breaking the four-game losing streak and beating our boy Kevin Stallings last night. Jim Beheim in an old biggie mm-hmm. showdown. Pitt versus Syracuse gets a big win. Um, Tyus Battle obviously showed up, got a win. He, he had 37 yeah. at Florida State right yeah. on Saturday. Um, but they lost yeah. that game. But they so they had lost four straight. They finally get back and right it. it as every team in the ACC does when they have pit on the schedule. They say, okay, this is a chance for us to to right the wrongs here and get this thing turned around because that's a guaranteed win right now. Um, and Kevin Stallings is his second year. There's no way he's getting year three at this point, right? We should just say that we got to oh, enjoy it while we can. A hundred percent chance he's getting year three. He has to get <laughs> year three. I'm. He, 
I don't even know what we would do if he didn't get year three. If he if he gets he, fired, we're, we're hiring him on One Shining Podcast to be our third. He's going to be like our color guy. He just says crazy things, and, all, and we're like, God, come on, Kevin. In all Damn honesty, it, Kevin. I really do think I really do think like there. I, I really do think he's get one. I do think he's going to come back, but but two, I think he's got good guy vibes somehow. I think like the the pit fans I think hate him, and I'm speaking out of turn. Like if you're listening to this and you you don't know anything about this situation, do not listen to me on this. I'm not the expert on on pit basketball, but my my sense is that the fans don't like the guy. Obviously, they're te- they're terrible. He's we we bring this up all the time. Um. But I think like the media doesn't really mind him, and the and they think he's like a good guy, and he treats him well, and he's like he's one of those 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 hard asses to his players. But then that's because they're beneath him, and but then he's like equal to the media. I actually think he's like semi well received there, and people will make excuses for him. I mean, he can't keep this up forever. Like at some point, mm. enough's enough. But you, he could still. I think I still think it's like soon enough that he could say, "Just let me get my recruits in and do that thing." Where even though basketball, you don't need more than like two years to get your recruits in. Um, he's still going to try that angle. I think he's going to be fine, Tate. He has to be. I, I would cry if Kevin Stallings got fired. Tom Crean might um, be a pit. Let's just say that. Uh, what about you? Uh, next up, next shout out. Uh, I wanted to shout out. Speaking of of great coaches who definitely should not be fired, uh, Bruce Weber um, <laughs> did just beat it. Did just beat Oklahoma. So uh, kind of a kind of shut me up there. But um, I don't know if you saw the final possession at Kansas. Mm-hmm. Kansas State had Kansas on the ropes in Allen Fieldhouse. Yep. They never win in Allen Fieldhouse. And there's 15 seconds left. Uh, Kansas State's down by one, taking the ball underneath Kansas's basket. And Kansas State walks the ball up the floor, makes zero passes on the final possession, and chucks up like a 25, 30-footer at the buzzer that never had a chance and uh, lost by one. So I just wanted to shout out Bruce Weber for um, – is Bruce Weber a good coach? The only coach in the Big 12 other than Bill Self who has ever won a Big 12 title is Bruce Weber. Did you know that? Yeah, and he's been a national title game, and he used to wear an orange coat. I mean, yeah. Bruce Weber, but good coach, possibly does, good guy. But then he does stuff like that, and you're just like, is this man a good coach? It's hard to tell. So, um, yeah, anything else? Uh, uh, Carolina. We should we, we should mention Carolina. This is yeah. one of the coolest streaks. Yeah, I'll say it. Uh, Carolina. Yeah, Carolina uh, now 59-0 against Clemson at home in Chapel Hill. Clemson is still not one in Chapel Hill. It's it's one of the most stressful games every time that Clemson does come to Chapel Hill because you know you don't want to be the team that you know finally ends the streak. Uh, I, I hope they can get to 60 the next time Clemson comes to town. Big win last night. Clemson yeah. at one point made 15 straight baskets in a row. And North Carolina still was able to yeah. survive this game because Cam Johnson somehow decided that he can shoot threes now. He's like six from nine from three. Uh, Joel Berry had a, a very ugly 17 points, but somehow had 17 points. Luke May had to get five stitches in the middle of this game and came back and still balled out. Uh, so North Carolina yeah. with a big win. Keeps the streak alive, 59-0. Uh, did you see the ESPN on Center? They ran through the scribe, so they put every single player's name that has beaten Clemson in Chapel Hill to keep the streak alive. They just had a scroll go while they were playing the highlights. And some of the names on the list are it's just so amazing. It's just like you forget that Julius Peppers is on that list. You know, you forget like mm-hmm. Greg Little's on that list and like Bob Mack. You start going down the list, you're like, oh my God, this many people have kept Clemson from winning in Chapel Hill all this time. It, it, the scroll, they got done with the highlight before the scroll was over and they just let it run. It was so beautiful, so much fun. I feel bad for Clemson. I feel bad for Brownell. I feel like eventually they're going to break it. I'm scared they're going to break it when they come back, uh, when it's going for 60 and 0. 
But for right now, I'm feeling good about 59. Yep. No, very fun. It's it's gonna get. Was was Maktar Jai on the list? Yes, of love course. That guy, of course. Love that guy. Has to be on the. Love that guy. Uh, they're gonna get it to 69 and 0, and then they should just purposely <laughs> lose. That should be the goal. Um, I have one more shout out, and this is this is a this is a fun one. Uh, so are you aware of the Gary Parish pull the tax column? Do you know that he does this? Yes. First of all, are you aware of who Gary Parrish is? Yes, of course. You of are, course. Right? Friend of Chris yeah. Vernon, We're who's CBS also a friend of the show. Colleague, yeah, Memphis guy works works for CBS Sports. Um, so Gary Parrish does this 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 column where he he basically looks at all the AP voters and rips them to shreds for <laughs> like how big of it. He, he picks out the people that are, uh, you know, like if someone this week had Villanova at like twelve, he would he would basically rip that guy to shreds in in this column, right? Uh, so. One of the guys he always picks on is Graham Couch of the Lansing State Journal, who this year I think is is very is not very high on Purdue. I think that's the point of contention is that Graham Couch this year has been putting Purdue like ten spots lower than everybody else is putting him. Um, so Gary Parrish is ripping him apart. So Graham Couch writes a, a column attacking the pull attack column. So we Ooh, have an attack on the attack, a rebuttal. Stick with stick with me, Tate. And in it, he says that. Um, Parrish is like basically a bully handing. He, yeah. He's basically a bully and he's, and not only is he a bully, but he's like militarizing all of his Twitter followers to come attack Graham couch. And he said that Parrish is making crowd couch's wife cry. Oh my God. Like she reads these comments. Mm. She's crying. Uh, couch claims that USA today's Lindsay Schnell had a vote in the men's AP poll, but gave it up because of Gary Parrish because Gary Parrish picked on her and she lived in fear of the Gary Parish column so much that um, she would actually compare her ballot. She would like look at like other people, other voters would tweet out their ballot and say like, "Here's how I'm going to vote tomorrow." And she would just base her votes around that so as to not be picked apart by Gary Parish. She was so scared of the man. Um, so here's where it gets good. Couch Couch writes this column attacking Parish's attack. Parish writes a column attacking. <laughs> Couch's attack of the attack oh my God. of the of the voting. I just want to give a shout out to everybody involved in this feud. This it's is a, a great feud. Exception. It's great this for is, the sport. Yeah, this is unbelievable. <laughs> I can't believe this many people care. First of all, care about the people's votes, and like people are cowering to decide whether like give me that vote. I'll I'll, I'll vote for so, whoever. I, I don't care. I will vote. I'll I will attacked. vote, and I will. Yes, I will purposely leave Purdue off of the top twenty-five and just tweet a picture of myself flipping off the camera, holding my nuts and tweet it to every single Purdue fan that tries to come at me. Yeah. Like if that's what it takes. I will literally leave Duke off do. every single vote that I have yeah. and, I, and I will answer yeah. for it. I will not I'm be not scared. scared. I'm not scared. Um, But so the, the best part, so like the, the final column that I saw, I'm sure there's going to be another one and they're just going to keep this going the rest of the year. Like this is all parish or cows are going to write or just rebuttals to each other the rest of the season. But, uh, the, the, so the last one I saw was the Parish one where he was saying like he was doing like self-reflecting like did I am I a bully did I take it too far and you know what he decided Tate you know what his ultimate conclusion was keep writing no he's not a bully yes. yeah could you believe that I was shocked he said he, he said he asked his uh, his Twitter followers like what should I do and because those Twitter are the those are the rational people right. that should decide these things <laughs> those same people who are like rabid wolves waiting for a piece of red meat. <laughs> You know what they said? They said, hey, man, keep giving us the red meat. Yes. We want to rip people apart. Yeah, keep feeding us. We need this. <laughs> so the whole thing, I, I actually I actually do read the poll attacks today because I find it humorous and fun, and uh, I like GP a lot, but um, it's just the, the whole incident is funny, and it's just a, it's a great example of like journalists who like get too far into the weeds and just fight with each other, and um, yeah, 
So shout out to those guys. Shout out to speaking of that, uh, the free Darko guys. Um, because <laughs> for talking about that kind of stuff. Uh, you want to close it out with anything? Tate? Yeah, let's do some quick closeouts. Uh, Zion Williamson, January twentieth, decision day coming. Uh, I've heard a lot of rumblings and a lot of rumors, but I've heard a lot of things that I don't believe to be true. So I don't think anyone knows where Zion's going to go except for Zion He's going to Duke. and his family. He, he, if he goes to Duke, he Mark Titus, to I'm Duke. not recording a podcast anymore. I quit the podcast. I, so all this time I've been asking you about his options. You said it's North Carolina, Clemson, and South Carolina. I didn't even know Duke was in play. You purposely left that out for me, and I had but they're I not. Found this out on my but own. they're not in play because they already have RJ Barrett, oh. and they have they already have a team. They have Cam Reddish. They have all these other guys. They're not in play, and they also have one of the best bag droppers in the game today, <laughs> in Jeff Capel. So, I mean, you might want to you might want to curb that thought there. Um, yeah, Zion Williamson. So if you if you listen to the last pod, uh, it's the guy that Tate is. Um, yeah, I'm in love Tate, with Tate is going to die. I saw yeah, Zion when he was 14 so. years old. I fell in love. The same thing happened to me with Harry Giles. I saw him when he was 15 and he broke my heart. If Zion does it again, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself, but I will say this Zion, don't go to Clemson. You don't want to be 0 and 59. Come to Carolina and be 59 and 0. That's a good point. Um, last thing before we go, I wanted to again mention to people that Tate and I are going to be doing a, a new segment on Fridays uh, where we basically read our manager stories that are sent to us. Um, the manager chronicles, I think we're calling it, but we, we, we should change it to some sort of pun with dirty laundry, like the managers doing dirty laundry, because mm-hmm. I've noticed we've, we've had a, a ton of people send us stories already. Um, and pretty much every single one of them is like, Hey, don't mention my name because <laughs> yes. this will get me killed. <laughs> yes. But I just want to let you know that this coach does this mm. and he's an asshole. And like, that's pretty much, so, so we should like do some sort of play where like the managers do the dirty law. I don't know. There's, there's, we'll figure it out. But, uh, for those who are just tuning in, if if you know of managers, if you yourself are a manager, uh, if if you want to just pretend like you're a manager and send in, and do some creative writing seminar, um, all of those are fine. Just send us some stories about uh, being a manager because we're trying to uh, show some love to the managers, the hardest working guys in college basketball. So be sure to do that. We ha- we have a ton of fun stories we're going to share on a, on Friday. Um, but otherwise, you got anything else, Tate? I will say my manager friend that works for the Timberwolves now was with me last night, and uh, I asked him if he would come on the show and tell stories. He said he would not. So, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want to die. Uh, no, oh, I, I didn't mention send those send those to at uh, one shining pod. We, we're opening up our direct messages. Uh, send those to to at one shining pod. Tate will look at him. I'm actually Tate. I, I I don't know if this is relevant, but uh, I'm I'm taking a hiatus from Twitter, so you're gonna have to look at all these. I'm I just I want to put that out there. I don't want to like. The the move when you take a hiatus is to tweet about how you're taking a hiatus. Yeah, those are the worst people. Just just, like, just leave. Everyone just does. Yeah. yeah, everyone just does the jerk off thing. Mm. But at the same time, I know that people are like tweeting at me about these games and they're wondering why I'm not responding. Um, so I'm gonna say it here, just at the end of the pod. Like I'm just taking a hiatus. So um, tweet at Tate if you have any thoughts. Tweet them at Tate. Oh um, God. But anyway, that's it. We'll be back Friday. Uh, in the meantime, save the crew.